Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Top Ends with Twins. Um, Luke and I are here, and we're going to kind of help discern, figure out what we should do with all the FPL flags in our teams and all the injuries we have going on, because it's pretty crazy right now, isn't it, Luke? The flags are flying high, let me tell you, and there's plenty of them up. So um, every FPL manager out there, you're more than well aware that it is a really difficult time in FPL right now to where just a lot of teams and I think you know Paul can talk about his situation here in a little bit but a lot of teams are in situations where if they don't do massive surgery to their team they'd be having six or seven players starting um, and the reason why this really is hitting at the wrong time is because you have Salah, San, some people have Huang Chan as well, Kudos, um, Kudos. all of these players are gone Right. Um, so if you have those in your team, now with the injuries for Trent, uh, Holland's possibly not going to be there. Um, Bowen. Bowen's not going to be there. Elise. All these highly owned Jesus. assets. Jesus. Everybody, everybody, or AKA everybody right? in my team. Um, so it's, it is really, really a tough time right now for players. Um, yeah, and like I think um, another kind of difficult aspect for it is people that like obviously if you play FPL, you just like the Premier League in general. Is is that there's just not many games right now. Like it's kind of spaced out. The game weeks are weird all through January, so it's kind of like we don't have the consistent games on Saturday, games on Sunday, maybe one on Monday. It's so spaced out. Everybody's hurt. There's FA Cup fixtures, there's um, other Cup. domestic cup yeah. fixtures, and it's just a really crazy time, which I guess it's balanced. You know, we had so many games going on during the festive period that kind of, I guess it had it had to slow down at a certain point. It's just kind of crazy that from in December, we had, I believe, seven game weeks in total, and then in January, there's two, which, which really, really, sucks. really sucks, but kind of another point of frustration as well from an FPL perspective is that our players are still playing fixtures, right? Mm -hmm. um, especially with the FA Cup. There's a load of teams still playing in there. Um, and, you know, victim number one of that, Jared Bowen. He gets clattered into at the very end of the match. Um, so needless, let me tell you. Yeah, uh, and that's, you know, they will have to do a replay of that, though. But I really do think that whenever we're looking at our teams, we try to plan ahead. We try to be proactive. You know, a lot of people have these really incredible spot-on six- to eight-week plans, right? And then two injuries happen, and those plans are just shot. So it really is demonstrating the plan of two really big points, in my opinion, right? One do not make early transfers. Yep. That can really come back to bite you in the ass, right? Second, try not to plan too far ahead because I think to an extent we can do that as well. Um, it's good to have a plan and have an idea of what you want to do, but lock in. If you're getting to the point of where you're locking in your team completely and saying this is what it's going to be eight weeks from now, you're playing with fire, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think like one, uh, another big aspect of this is that so last podcast, we kind of reviewed like a lot of the stuff we've learned about FPL through the last year and like kind of growing into the game and all this stuff. And one of my favorite parts, I think, that both of us did really with um, 
like going into probably like 18, 19 before the festive fixtures, like this whole season is, is that both of us have been really good about being very um, cautious with transfers and trying to go into a week with two transfers every week, you know, and not taking points hits. And so where we're at now is going to be the complete opposite of how I was playing in the beginning, where I think how a lot of managers will have to play because I mean, when you have this many flags in your team, you have this many injuries you have to address. It's, it's really difficult, really. Because, I mean, either you don't fill to a full team, which I don't think is positive, but, I mean, like, it's the balance between am I going to take take away points to get in more players for the chance of getting points, or am I just going to let my team ride, build up transfers, and then make changes? Because, really, the way it's sitting right now, a lot of my players that are hurt, I, I know there's more than just my players that are hurt, but, I mean... Like I think um, Bowen's kind of on like a little bit of a timeline. Hey, so wait, Paul. Let's let's go ahead and tell everyone who you have injured, right? Okay, um, so within Paul's team, sure. he has I believe five flagged players at the I moment. Have five flag, five um, flagged players. And for context, right? Paul did wild card in game week twenty, mm-hmm. and this just demonstrates how unlucky you can be at times because the players you wild carded in. We're not injured at game week 20. No. Right. Going before the game week 20 deadline, whenever you brought them in. Yeah. So we'll just run it down real quick. I have Trent Alexander Arnold. And, and these are all your players that are injured on your team. Correct? Yes. These okay. are all the injuries on my team. So Trent Alexander Arnold, who is red flagged. Son, who's red flagged for Asia Cup. Elise, who is, um, he's going to be out for a while. I actually have this in my notes. Let me see. I wrote down what. So I looked at like basically what a lot of the beat writers said. A lot of these people that um, that were the most up to date information I had about the players. So basically, Trent's probably going to be three weeks. Is what I've seen. Three weeks, but three to four weeks. With depending. that, with that being stated, he could be back for twenty two against Chelsea. Yeah, I was I was going to get to that point. Yeah, that Sorry. and so we have Elise who's going to be out for four weeks, and then Bowen probably two weeks which I, I have a pin in the bone thing, which I, I think you'll find this interesting. And then I also have Gabriel Jesus, who is, honestly, it seems like it's pretty short-term. It's just kind of like the knee flare-up that he had, that he was out for a while, but it just the seems like it's that minimal. keeps flaring up over and over again. It keeps again. flaring up. So I also have a pin in that one, too. But And then there's Son, too, who's out, who we talked about, who possibly, depending on how South Korea does at the Asia Cup, he could be back January 25th if they go out in the group stage, or that would be the last game they would play on just on January 25th. But I think we do need to address, right, and we'll go back to your pins here in a second on those two players, that bringing Son into your wild card, that was a risk that you took. So was right? Jesus. Both of them were a risk. Both of them were a risk, um, and this it puts you in a tough spot now, right? It does, it does. Um, but let's go back. What were the two pins that you had in? What was it, okay, Bowen and Elise? Yeah, one one quick little thing about Son, just so everybody knows. If South Korea advance out of their group, they will play the quarterfinals on February 2nd or February 3rd. And then the semis, or so the round of 16 actually is first, and it would be January 28th, 29th, 30th, or 31st. So there's those dates. The quarters are February 2nd and February 3rd. Semis are February 6th or February 7th, and then the finals February 10th. So it's possible Son could be back as early as maybe January 27th, 28th, or he could be back mid-February. So there's there's a really fluid timeline there. So is somebody holding him? It just doesn't seem logical at this point. And you know? here's the thing, right? 
Um, we know that Salah and Son, like both of these players, whenever they're playing for their respective countries, they are going to be the primary target of every action their team is going to be doing. Yeah. So with that being said, I think, I mean, even with Liverpool, Salah still in that situation, but an injury is a possibility, right? And that, think about that time, right? You're almost like discounting this in a, in a certain way that if you have that midfield slot that's being held up by Slaw or Son, you might be holding that for four to five weeks with the possibility of them getting injured on that fourth week. Yeah. And think about all of that lost time that you have there where you could have had a different midfielder. like say, allocation of funds too, you know? And this is a good pivot, right? And to where we can kind of talk about who we think could replace those two players, Salah and Son, and even Bowen too. Although he's going to be a little bit more short-term than what we initially thought. So, so I have a point about Bowen real quick. Yeah, let's go to I'll Bowen, and then we'll dive into the midfielders. That could be a good replacement. Okay, for Bowen, I really think that unless West Ham make moves to get somebody of the profile, like if people didn't know, Paqueta is going to be out for about two months. And I think without him and without Kudos, I, w- I, w- I think Bowen would probably be going out of my team even if he wasn't, even if he was completely healthy. Because I just don't think they're going to have that attacking creativity to really push teams at this point, you know? Danny Ings is not a bad player. But he's not, not to the, the level same, to where that y- you could rely on him to be converting chances or to even be creating chances for Bowen, right? So I Yeah. And also it seems like Ben Rama's probably gonna be out in the January window because he's been wanting to go for a while. So sounds like he might go to Brentford or I know there were some other Maybe. clubs interested. Brentford wouldn't be a bad fit for him. Um but at the end of the day, I just think Bowen's for me, he's a, he's an easy sell at this point. Like he really is with, I mean, m- maybe when Kudos gets back after AFCON where it could possibly work out. But, but in like, that situation, you can even go to Kudos and you would save a lot yeah. the, on the yeah. back end um, yeah. as far as your funds go. Um, so let's pivot into midfield replacements, right? In my opinion, I think there are probably like five to seven that could be really good replacements that would be good enablers mm-hmm. for managers to bring in, especially with a mindset towards Holland coming back in in 22. Yes. Um, with this team set up, you wouldn't have Holland in your team yet, right? Because you're looking for the funds you want to get to him. This is how a good way to do that is some options um, that I think, and you know, Paul, feel free to chime in whenever. I, um, I think Foden is probably top of the list at the moment with the form he's in how well he's been playing. You never know when a pep benching is right up the road, but for now I think, you know, we feel okay until we see something different. Um, I also think Pascal Gross is a really good option. I, I like Gross a lot. Um, he's highly involved in the way that Brighton are attacking. His underlying numbers look really good, and he passes the eye test too. Um, he's on set pieces as well. Stupinon being back really kind of frees him up and frees up the rest of the way that Brighton can set up, right? Because they have two alternative right backs that can play now mm-hmm. where Gross doesn't have to drop into that role like he has in the past. Um, so I expect him to stay in the midfield, um, at least for the time being, you know, bar any injuries occurring. Um, what Do you have any thoughts on Gross that you want to chime in there? I Honestly, I like Brighton a lot right now. And the crazy thing about it is that if you look at the what we expected this team to be, at the beginning of the season to what it is now with the injuries, all the things they've had. I mean, Matoma's out injured now. So, I mean, it's like, like looking like I never thought gross would be like somebody that I'd really go after in FPL, 
but he seems to be a great option for them because you're right. I mean, he is a bonus points magnet. Yeah, like the way he, that I look the at the way Gross, he plays, like really. And going back to my wild card in twenty, one of the main things I did with my midfielders is I was looking for midfielders that I could, in the situation they got a return, like an assist or a goal, I wanted them to be almost locked on three bonus. Um, and if you look at Pascal Gross, Douglas Louise. Foden's not quite in that, um, but Odegaard as well. Yeah, all three of those midfielders—they are the epitome of you know—they facilitate the ball, they circle it around a lot, they're getting a lot of touches, the ball's at their feet a lot, and that really puts them in a good position to get bonus yeah. if they do end up. Um, and also with their chance creation too, all three of those are really good with that. Um, so some other options. Do you have any other cheap enablers um, that you think, Paul? Mm, I don't know, man. I there's for my team the way i've looked at things is like i have to make the funds to get holland back in 22 most likely is the way i'm playing it so i think gross has been my main option so far but really i think it's so hard to go away from foden at this point like you said that for me i mean i I really haven't looked at any of the lower tier options because it's going to be most likely gross or foden and another way to look at this, right? If you want those really cheap budget picks, I think Pedro Neto is a great option. Yeah, Neto's good too. Um, he, good, good shout. with him being back, I think he'll just slot right into Hoang Hee Chan's position and really kind of hopefully carry their attack. Um, and that's, you know, he's, he has eight assists currently tied for the, the, um, the lead in the league, right? Um, and he went out in October. Yeah. So that's pretty crazy to me. Um, but another option that is really popular right now is Jota. Do you think Jota is viable for managers to be bringing in? I, I think he's so risky, man. It's kind of like whenever, like that time, whenever I wild, like when I wildcarded in Jesus and Son both, like that was a big risk to me. And it could, it, Son did return for me in, in that extra week. But like if I could go back and do it again, I would not do that same thing again. And so you can kind of look at that. Like, I think the Jata thing could be considered the same way that, like, there's prob- probably high upside. But it's also like, are we sure he's going to start? Are we sure that, like, Liverpool are going to be the same without Trent? I mean, we're currently recording this, what is it, Wednesday afternoon. Liverpool are playing Fulham right now in a cup tie, and they're losing to Fulham 1 0 right now. So, I mean, I think Fulham have shown a lot of upside this year, like, from where they started in the beginning of the year. But, I mean, I think there's just a lot of questions around this Liverpool team right now, you know? And let's be honest. It would be very fitting if, by the time you are listening to this, that Jota's picked up an injury. Yeah. Um, yeah. But this kind of, honestly, there's a couple other mid, one other midfielder I really want to bring up, which is Richarlison. Yeah. He's been a man in really good form as of late. He's looked good. He was a little wasteful in their last match against... Um, can't remember who Tottenham played. It feels like it was so long ago that they played. I can't remember. At was the it moment. was it Brighton? No, I can't remember who it was. I don't um, know. Our minds are mush right now. But as far as I'm concerned, I think Richarlison is a great option. Timo Werner coming in. Timbo time. Now is a hot spur. It's interesting because I think Timo at six point five in the forward position. The forward position is what really makes it somewhat exciting to me. Because previously we didn't have any viable options on the forward line from Tottenham. Mm-hmm. So bringing him in at 6.5, you know, that's still pretty much an enabler price, right? That's cheaper than Solanke at this point. And if Timo comes in, you know, he's a bit more clinical than he was in his pastime in the Premier League. 
it could go really well. Um, I but mean, so, Luke, the thing is, though, is that people need to understand about Timo is that this year in the Bundesliga, he has played eight matches and has two goals and zero assists. Right. He hasn't played. Really. He has not played much. how it's gone for him. And even, even last year, if you look at his 2022-2023 stats, he had nine goals and three assists in 27 matches. Yeah. So, so he was playing last season. This season, not as much, right? I do think if he's going to have a revitalization of his career, though, Postacago is a great man to do it. I mean, dude, on like, I, I think if I think he's going into the right situation, I think you're exactly right. Like, he's going to be in the right system where, honestly, if he runs and he just uses his pace, he's like, I think do you see him playing as a low. forward or do you see him playing as a winger? I think at this time right now he'll probably play as a winger. Like until Son yeah. gets back, I think he'll probably I be agree. one of the wings. I think you'll see Richarlison up top, probably Brennan Johnson on the left, um, Kulisewski through the middle, and then also Timo on the right is probably what we're going to see. Mm-hmm. I've seen some stuff about Brian Hill going out on loan as well, so I think he's not going to stick around. Lacelso was injured too, um, so that almost locks Kulisewski into that. N- that number 10 role and really like that kind of adds a lot of value to him it does if we it know does. he's playing in the middle he's played well there so far up to this point whenever Postacoglia has put him there um so i don't know there's there's lots uh, of go so ahead. go ahead sorry to cut you off but the i think the big question with spurs though is like for kuliseski in that 10 role is he gonna have people in front of him that can finish <laughs> like that that's gonna like if you have a team playing with charleston and timo Werner at the same time they could score seven goals in a match. Like they, they really could. Like they're gonna have chances. They're gonna be like they're gonna create stuff. But it's like, are they gonna be in the best day in the best form? I don't know. That's why I feel good about Richardson because he is in good form right now. And at the same time, though, you could give me a vast quantity of excellent underlying numbers and XG for Charleston and Timo as well, and I could be like, eh, well, I have to see it to believe it, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's an interesting spot. We'll see what Spurs end up doing, but we know they are going to be attacking. And this also offers a pivot to my next topic I think we should go into. Let's hear it. Which is defensive options. I think that Trent Alexander-Arnold being out is a good opportunity to pivot to double Spurs defense. Interesting. So I we know we know one of them. This podcast it's basically a Pedro Poro podcast. So we know one of them. Do you yeah. think the other one's Udogi? The other one's Udogi, but purely because I think that the addition of Drag Dragonson, what a fun name to say. I yeah. just that's a great signing for Spurs. Having him reject Byron to go to Spurs. What kind of world are we living in Dude, right now? It's it's gonna be really like him and Romero are gonna be two of the like. I, I'm going to be nice in the way um, hard-nosed defenders in the Premier League. They're going to be two mean motherfuckers. That's like, what they're going to be. And they're big, too. Like, they're big bodies that can actually, like, do stuff with the ball at their feet. Like We keep talking about all these flags, right, in FPL. They are the type of defenders that make flags <laughs> for attackers. Yeah, Romero for sure is. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so Tottenham, right? They have a pretty good run of fixtures. So in 21, they play Manchester United away. Which mm-hmm. probably a good fixture ultimately yeah. if you think about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Brentford at home, Everton away, Brighton at home, and then Wolves at home. So yeah. all of those are fixtures that you could see with the way Tottenham is playing. If they on the right day, they could score four to five goals in those matches. Agreed. 
And yeah. with the way that Pedro Porro mm-hmm. and a st- not sorry, not a stupid on wrong team there, um, and Udogi and Verdin, they're in those positions to easily finish chances on really high XG opportunities. Yeah. Um, so I think a double up of Spurs defenders would be very interesting and something that yeah. I, if it, if FPL managers decide to go that path, I think it would be a good call in my opinion. I don't disagree with you at all. Like I, um, I like that shot a lot. If, I mean, at this point, I think we really have to consider when we're looking at defenders that a lot of it is attacking returns. Without a doubt. Like There's really, I mean, it's so, it's so hard to predict clean sheets. Like, like last year, I feel like we could have gone, like you could have gone the Newcastle route for certain points of the season where you just knew they were going to keep a clean sheet. Like they were a fortress. And now like, I, I think city seems like the best option probably for like clean sheets, but it's also like, you don't know who they're going to start week in week out. Yeah. I mean, you just don't, I mean, it's kind of like, we talk about this a lot, but like whenever Pep finds his 11 later in the season, maybe that's a time to go to a city defender. But like, at this point, I I don't trust Arsenal's defense. I don't, for sure don't trust Newcastle. I don't know how much I trust Spurs' defense, really. I mean, I think it would be Udogi and Poro just because you're like, I know these two guys are going to go forward, and they're going to give me really good chances to get attacking returns from a defender. And that's the thought process. And then if you stumble into a clean sheet while having both of them, yeah, you're rewarded very handsomely, right? And it also depends, too, on your mini-league. When you have people in your mini-league that have does. double Arsenal, like somebody in our league does, it's like... <laughs> no names. <laughs> yeah, we won't we won't say anything. But um I don't know. For me, and Astupian seems like like we talked about him earlier in the pod. He he seems like he had like he's already scored two absolute bangers. Did you um did you see the shrine that I built to Astupian <laughs> in our backyard? <laughs> because <laughs> that man is incredible and if he's if he's fully fit, if he's playing more than sixty minutes a week he's going to be skyrocketing back up in ownership. And Brighton just feel like they'd feel so much better with him. It's him, but it's also just, I think they've figured out how to get back to their system because I feel like they lost their way for a little while there, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, Um, And a big part of it is a lot of teams were not allowing them to control the midfield the way that they did previously. Yeah. And um, they're just overloading the midfield and making them go to the outside. And with Dringa and Matoma, they're good. But when Matoma doesn't have a Stupinon, it's very, di- you know, there's just a lot of variables oh. at play there. Um, but a Stupinon, what a player. I mean, I really think. Dude, he's insane. If you're making a transfer this week for a defender and you don't have a Stupinon, you better be getting a Stupinon in your team. Yeah. That's who were we talking about? We were just chatting the other day, I think, like in our kitchen about where we thought a Stupion should go. Was it? Um, oh, no. On the last pod, I said that. But I think he's go to, he should go to City. Oh, yeah. Okay. Was, I, for some yeah. reason, I thought that was just a conversation we were having. Mm, no, I, I think he yeah, that, did really that well was, there. Yeah, that was a great... That was one of our... That was a great job. Um, yeah. But yeah, for other defenders, I really... Um, I just think it's hard to predict, really. I mean, I, I think Villa defenders aren't a terrible option, especially... Well, unless you have Moreno. And unless you have Moreno. Then you like see Digne tweeting out Digne pictures of back. him in training. Yeah. That's always fun. Yeah. So whenever that settles down, Digne okay, or... Okay, here's a, here's a question for you, right, Paul? Yeah. Brighton got their first clean sheet in game week 20. Will mm-hmm. it be game week 40 <laughs> by the time they get the next one? Well, <laughs> it, the math would say so, but if the I'd math maths with with a Stupion back, they'll probably be able to they'll get they'll get more clean sheets in the second half of the year than they had in the first. I I, I would say the over under was like maybe like four and a half for clean sheets the rest of the way out. 
Okay. I I think that's a little I would definitely take the under on that. Yeah. Um but my two other teams that I think would be interesting to bring in defenders for is Fulham because they have a good run of fixtures over the next five. Jedi question mark. Jedi exclamation point. Second team, you know, don't shoot the messenger here. I think Manchester United defenders are really interesting. Um yeah. especially I mean, Dallow, Dallow. Dallow scored. I don't know what Shaw's current standing is. I'm not 100% sure what his fitness is at the moment, but I think Dello would be really interesting. You know, um, like I actually do. I, I, I'm I kind of opening up myself again to the idea of Manchester United play FPL assets. As in attackers or defenders? Somewhat. I think they're kind of coming around a little bit. Okay, but at this point, I mean, we have a great. This is someone who could have gone in the midfield discussion. Garnacho could be a really nice Garnacho, midfield. Garnacho, dude, I, I've, I've thought about bringing. I, I just completely blanked on him. He, he should for sure be in the conversation. I think of yeah, midfield. He's had really good underlying numbers. He's at like four point nine. He's really four point eight. Four, like he's, I think he's, he's so four point seven. Yeah, he's in so cheap. Park. So he's very, very cheap. Actually, I think he just had a price rise. So I think you're right, four point eight. Yeah. Um, he's incredibly cheap. He's very progressive, loves to carry the ball. He's in very attacking positions mm-hmm. as well. Um, I would take Garnacho or Bruno or the two attackers I would look at there. Rashford, can't rely on Hoyland, just not quite there yet. Rashford is ticking along a little better, I think, now than he was. Like, like there was probably like a good like 15-week run where he had nothing, and I think he got an assist in the, was yeah, it the it was FA to, Cup match. Yeah, it was match. to Garnacho. Yeah. Um, as far as that goes, though, I think I need to see more with Rashford before yeah, I go there. Yeah, I think it's just kind of something where we keep an eye on them, you know, at this point. Yeah, and, you know, all of that, all of these decisions we're making, we have to be mindful that Slaw and Son will be back, as we've talked about. If you're bringing in someone like Rashford, it either has to be that he's an enabler that allows you to get back. To He's really just a placeholder, right? He's holding those funds yeah. for you to get back to, you know, Son or Salah. I don't love that idea, though. I think there's going to Garnacho and save the funds and just go to someone you know is going to be starting, knows going to be playing well. Mm-hmm. I think that's an interesting option. Um, but Dallow is also interesting for for a defensive perspective because yeah. he's very attacking as well. He is very attacking, like we were just talking about. But I I think the United fi- like like we were talking about like there's a lot of risk associated with going to United and even their defenders. So play it play it at your own risk. You know, play play your own game. You know. Here's but my it's, thing. It's, it's a possibility. I think Trippier is going to have a renaissance sometime in the next couple of weeks. I mean, he already had one renaissance this year, so another one? I think there's another one. I think Newcastle need to get their feet back underneath them. And even against Sunderland, they looked a lot better. Eddie Howe was making comments about how he felt like they had some of that momentum coming again, where they're building a little bit, playing better. It also is against a championship level team too. So right, but they have their just, legs. Just saying, they have like, their legs back under them. Yeah, and they clearly were kind of just barely keeping their heads above water, I if you even want to call it that. It's been it's been rough for Newcastle. It's been really rough. It has been. Um, but I, we'll see who they bring in in the January window. I think Calvin Phillips could be going there. Maybe, maybe not. I haven't heard too much about it since the window opened. But I would like that fit. I think he'd be an excellent, excellent option for them in the midfield. I agree. I agree. I think he would. He fits the mentality of that team. He fits kind of what they want to do. He's going to be honestly. He would add so much in front of that defense. Like he, he's a defense banker, really. Like yeah, the, the way is. he plays, and he has the ability to play out of stuff. He has the ability to go forward a little bit. Like 
he'd be a good fit while they kind of get pieces back together, add some s- stability, and then kind of, I guess, usher them through the rest of the year till they get Tonali back next year. Yeah, and he can even be a good complimentary piece after he comes and then back. You, as well. Yeah, and you if you um, if you played a double pivot with him and Sonali, with Sonali going a little more forward than him, I think that would actually be really good. Here's a little kind of similar question that goes within the vein that we're talking about. There have been rumors that Newcastle have inquired about bringing Solanke in in the January window. How would you feel about Solanke playing at Newcastle? I would love it. Yeah, I, I think it's really good, but it's also, I mean where like you'd have to play Isak as a winger. Cause I don't think you want Isak on the bench all the time. I think you could almost go with you two, play two but I mean, they've also had Wilson and Isak for the longest time and Eddie Howe does not different like, profiles, right? I think they are different. I think in that situation with what they currently have, you kind of have to change the system a little bit. Yeah. Right? You could do kind of similar to what city does where they have like Trippier is with sorry with City Walker is playing a right back but he's really playing a right winger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you could easily do that with Newcastle as well, right? It's possible. And I, now that they have their center backs back and healthy and getting back to full fitness, you feel a lot better defensively pushing Trippier higher up the pitch. Yeah. No uh, uh, that is a good point. I the biggest question I have about that is would Bournemouth do, Bournemouth do that? Because if they sell Solanke, I the the rumors are they're not going to do it's it. Hypothetical, yeah. But like, I mean, just think about it. if they sell Solanke, yeah, they'll make a lot of money from him, especially going to Newcastle. Like, they'll be able to get every penny they want. But at the end of the day, it's like that would open them up to going down this year. Like well, without Solanke, I mean, Paul, what do you think is um, Solanke's values right now? If um, you had to guess, his, oh, like his transfer market value. Mm-hmm. Well, like maybe 35, 40 million. According to FootMob, it's currently 26 million pounds. And the rumor was, is that Newcastle was willing to pay upwards of 50. If you can double how much you think his current value is, which is his value has drastically gone up. He has 12 goals a season. That's to be expected. How could you not be tempted to cash in on that? Yeah. Yeah. No, I get that. Like, I mean, it, it only, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, these clubs, they're a business. Like, I mean, to make that much money for a team like Bournemouth, I mean, if they think they could survive this year and then redistribute those funds, then that would be a great move for them, like, long-term for Premier League stability. But at the end of the day, if you go down, like, it is what Still it is. Still getting those parachute payments, though, from our owner's perspective. Yeah, yeah. Right? Um so something to think about. I think that would be a lot of fun for FPL, though. Um, yeah, but I it would. It, but it would complicate things. Know, I don't even know if I would go there though with Solanke. Like if he's at Newcastle, like, and they still have Wilson and Isak. Like, to me, it feels like they could all three rotate in different Wilson, positions. Like, I think at that point, Wilson's. Ba- I don't think he's going to play, in my opinion. I mean, yeah, but I mean, think about it. I mean, Eddie Howe's shown that he loves playing Callum Wilson. Dude, he picks up a knock. Walking out of the shower. I, I understand. I mean, I, I, I get it. But I mean, I'm my whole point here is that like, I there's just there's just too many question marks around Solanke there. Yeah, I get it. You know, at this point in time in FPL, there's a lot of questions, right? Yeah. And yeah I think yeah. a lot of people are kind of struggling with what to do with their teams, how to manage what they really need to get done for their teams, what players need to come in and replace the flag players. 
And it's difficult, right? It is. It is it, difficult. It's really difficult. Um, also, since it is so difficult, everybody, feel free to send us your teams, get advice whenever you want, because we're very active on Twitter, somewhat on Instagram, on TikTok too. Like, I mean, just send us any medium you want. Like, I mean, we're happy to help with suggestions, happy to help with different ideas and yeah, whatever. Just let us know. <laughs> Honestly, we're, we're here. And I will say, so as a kind of like final note to kind of put a ribbon on this podcast, from my perspective, I think if you are debating wildcarding going into game week 21, it's good to have that far off plan and have an idea of when you want to get Slaw back in, Sawn, all these options. But at the same time, if you can manage to wait to use the wild card, I would maybe think about doing that, in my opinion. Um, situation dependent, obviously. If you have six or seven or eight flags, use that wild card. Get your team in order and make sure you're kind of planning for those long off time, long, longer off game weeks is what I should say there. Um, but obviously with some flexibility because things change really quickly. Yeah, the things do, as we've seen, things do change very quickly. It, um it's a really weird time to be an FPL manager with like everything we've talked about in this podcast. So like I said, we're always here to talk about stuff. We're here to discuss different ideas and it's, I think it's one of those things where, but this is the fun part of it though, you know, like what, what would be the fun of FPL if we knew exactly what was going to happen every week? If we knew that every player is going to be healthy every week, that's, that's, that's not reality. So, I mean, that that's where we have to get more creative as FPL managers and we have to figure stuff out. So I, it kind of sucked, but also I'm excited for it at the same time. And as FPL managers, we have to embrace the chaos, right? Yeah. Because we don't have a choice. It's just what it is. Yeah, and at this point, I think we're at peak chaos at this point in time right now in the season. Just wait till the blinks come in, though. With how much... Var- no, I'm saying at this point, right? We could peak? still, we could for still the be rising. No, peak to at this point. Peak up to this point in okay. the season. Okay, yeah. I don't think we've seen all the chaos that we're going to see in the season. There's no way, right? Um, The Premier League's just too cagey. It's too much of a of a crazy league for that to happen, right? Um, So, you know, like Paul said, feel free to reach out to us. We're more than happy to help you all out if you need any help with your teams. Um, And as always, thanks for listening, guys. We really appreciate you joining us, and we'll be back with you all soon. We'll see you next time, guys. Have a good one.